Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Media Podcast Network. All right, it is Tuesday, April 19th, 2022, and it is indeed a heck of a morning live on the MA Fighting Twitter spaces and Soon after this program stops going live, it'll be on the MA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Thank you for joining me this morning. This is actually week four of the show, beginning week four of the show. It has flown by pretty quickly, and thank you to all of you for being a part of it. I know it's early for a lot of you, but just the, the feedback has been tremendous. The numbers on the podcasting network have been fantastic, and... We appreciate that. And the fact that people call while they're driving in their cars, and I know they're doing it safely because this is not one of those things where you need video or anything. It's it's what I envisioned with this show, like the, the sports radio feel, cup of coffee, driving to work, breakfast, all that stuff. That's what the show is all about. We have a lot to talk about. Technically, I'm still on vacation for like another day, but I mean, I wasn't going to miss the show. You can't just like start off a show for a couple of weeks and then just be like, well, I'm on vacation. I'm just going to stop doing it. It doesn't really work on that way. So uh, just I think I'm back officially on Thursday, but I mean, I'm still going to be working today and tomorrow a little bit. But we had Bellator 277 this past Friday. We had UFC Vegas 51 this past Saturday. It was a chaotic weekend. Indeed, a lot of craziness happened along the way. We had some big wins and main events. We had some unfortunate stoppages. We had questionable rulings. We had everything imaginable for just a chaotic weekend in MMA. And we'll get your thoughts on those cards and more on that in a moment. But first, I want to take a look back on April 19th in history because 2014, April 19, 2014, UFC on Fox 11 went down. Main event of that card, Fabricio Verdum. Versus Travis Brown. Fabricio Verdum got the win via unanimous decision in the main event. The co-main event, Misha Tate defeats Liz Carmouche. Unanimous decision, co-main event. 
featured about Donald Cerrone submits Edson Barboza in the first round. And the first fight on that main card was Yoel Romero versus Brad Tavares, which was won by Yoel Romero via United decision. Now, the prelims also included some names you might be familiar with. I don't know. Featured prelim involved Habib Nurmagomedov defeating Rafael Dos Anjos via unanimous decision. A guy you might know by the name of Jorge Mazadal was on the prelims of that card, defeated Pat Healy via unanimous decision. And listen to this one. The first fight of that entire card, April 19, 2014, UFC on Fox 11, the Octagon debut of one Derek Lewis, the Black Beast, made his UFC debut on this day in history eight years ago, knocked out Jack May in the first round. This is the very first fight of the night. And look where we are eight years later. Derek Lewis is a main eventer or a co-main eventer in every fight he'll be in probably for the rest of his career. And then, of course, also on this day in history, 2008, 14 years ago, UFC 83 goes down. That was headlined by the rematch between Matt Serra, at the time the UFC welterweight champion, and George St. Pierre. George St. Pierre gets his revenge, TKO, second round, those vicious knees to the body on the ground. The beginning of the end for Matt Serra, St. George St. Pierre, who was the interim champion at the time, unifies the title. Co-main event, Rich Franklin defeats Travis Luter via TKO in the second round. Nate Quarry got a win. Michael Bisping knocked out Charles McCarthy on that card. Mac Danzig was on that card as well. He got a third-round submission. Then we had names such as Jason Day defeating Alan Belcher, TKO. Jason McDonald, TKO win. Damian Maya submits Ed Herman with a mounted triangle. Remember that one? That was a crazy one. Rich Clemente, Sam Stout. Cain Velasquez was the second prelim on that card, defeated Brad Morris via TKO in the first round, and Jonathan Goulet got it started with a uh, second-round TKO. Fight of the night, Jonathan Goulet versus Kuniyoshi Hironaka. Knockout of the night, Jason McDonald. Submission of the night, Damian Maya. That's when the awards are a little bit different. So we're going to get to your calls in a minute. I mean, just so much happened this past weekend. Bellator 277, which, by the way, Bellator won the weekend. I mean, it's clear they won the weekend. I don't even think this is a discussion to be had. Bellator had the better card, the more intriguing storylines in the aftermath. They, I mean, all of it on paper and in execution. Bellator was just by far the better card than UFC Vegas 51. And this is no disrespect on the athletes involved. Bellator, We knew Bellator had the better card heading in, and it delivered. Unfortunately, there were some hiccups along the way. But I didn't watch it live. I watched the main card. I saw a lot of the prelim highlights, which basically told the story of most of these entire fights, as Bellator prelims typically do. They load up with big-time prospects who are massive favorites, and they go out and do what they're supposed to do. That's typically what happens, and usually it ends in in a you know, pretty dominant fashion. We had some pretty crazy fights on the card as well, one of the prelims is just an all-time classic war of just attrition. It was insane. But it ended with Patricio Pitbull getting his title back against AJ McKee. And this is one of those fights where I was really glad that I watched it the next day. Because following a lot, if I had watched it live Friday and followed along on Twitter and you saw everybody giving their scores and their opinions on how it played out, it's one of those things where you think you kind of overthink it. You're like, Hmm, 
Maybe they're right. Maybe, maybe AJ McKee won that fight. But I came out of that watching it Saturday. No pressure, no Twitter, no nothing. I just watched it. And then two minutes in, I knew I had to mute the audio. And if you listen to past shows, you know why I had to mute the audio. But it was just so much easier watching it because I felt it was a clear Patricio Pitbull win. I thought it was a clear Patricio Pitbull win. I didn't go, it was a close fight. Absolutely a close fight. It's not like Patricio just went out there and blew the doors off Agent McKee. But in the end, after watching that fight, I was fairly confident Pitbull won the fight. I didn't have to think about it at all. I was like, all right, Pitbull won three rounds. He might even won four rounds. So I ended up watching it a second time. I scored it 48-47. Upon first watch, I scored it 49-46 for Patricio Pitbull. I scored it the first four rounds for him. Watching it the second, the, the second time around, I think I might have given one of those early rounds to McKee, maybe one. I don't know. I have to go back and watch it again and figure out like round by round what it was. But I didn't think there was like any controversy here. I thought Pitbull won the fight. I thought he won. This is not a robbery whatsoever. I thought... Pitbull won. I thought it was a tremendous game plan. Did everything. This is why he's so good. And this is why I think he's the best Bellator fighter of all time. He's the revenge king. He's just the revenge king. You beat him, he comes back and beats you on the way back. He does it to everybody. Does it to everybody. And he hands AJ McKee his first loss. And that gives us a lot of questions about AJ McKee. A lot of questions. Was he overthinking this? Was he thinking too far ahead? Was he thinking, was, was he being too big for his britches, if you will? He was already looking at the UFC. I'm going to be a UFC champion. And that's a great attitude to, to have. Like, you want to have goals. You want to have ambitions. You want to have things you could strive towards. No doubt about that. But a lot of people are like, did he talk a little bit too much about the UFC? Did he say too much about, I need a million dollars a fight to stay in Bellator once my free agency is over. And th that's interesting too. Like what is up with AJ McKee now? Is he a free agent? Cause nobody seems to know. Scott Coker doesn't know. AJ McKee doesn't know. And I know the one thing that was kind of binding him to Bellator was being the champion. And there was sort of a, from what I understood, a, a three fight championship sort of clause that he had that as long as he had the belt, he had to fight three more times, including this, this past Friday. But now he's not the champion. So what does that mean? Does he stick? Is he still technically a Bellator fighter? Could he talk to the UFC now? Would the UFC still have as much interest? Will his per fight paycheck be as high as it was before Friday? Probably not. I'm sure the UFC would certainly be interested in him. It's a bump in the road, but what, like, what does he do in the UFC's 155 pound division? Or does he go to one back to 145? Because Right off the bat, he said, I'm done at 145. I'm done with it. Done with all that weight cutting. And good for him. If that's what he really wants to do. But I think what made him so successful at 45 is he was just so big and so rangy. Made him so effective at that weight class. How is that going to translate to, to 155? If he fights Patricio or he fights Patricky? How is that going to translate? What's he going to do in the UFC when he fights... You know, I mean, you could do the, the Michael Chandler fights right there for you because they have that rivalry for a long time. What's he going to do when he fights, if he has to fight Justin Gaethje or Charles Oliveira or Islam Makachev or any of these guys that are just huge 55? Armand Sarukian. What's he going to do against a guy like Armand Sarukian? Would you favor AJ McKee against Armand Sarukian in the UFC? I wouldn't. But that's no disrespect to AJ McKee. That's just because I'm so incredibly high on, on Sarukian. 
But there's, there's some other questions. Obviously, the co-main event of that card, and I, I want to talk to you guys about all of this because, again, we haven't had a show since all of this happened. Versus Corey Anderson ends with the accidental clash of heads. I think we all clearly know who the better fighter is. Corey Anderson looked fantastic. He looked great. I still am not going to – I'm still not willing to say he's the best light heavyweight in the world. I still think that belongs to Glover Teixeira, and I think we'll still be having that conversation at the end of this year. But then could could he beat Yuri? And listen, I know Corey Anderson beat Glover Teixeira in the past. I know it happens. I know he has the win, and I know in the Chael Sonnen, who's the better fighter conversation, the guy who wins the fight, no matter when it happened, it could happen 25 years ago, it Chael's eyes, and I don't – have a, a problem with this argument they're the better fighter but i think if they fought again i think it'd be a little bit of a different story i just think glover is just a much more mature version even at you know in his 40s than than he was when they fought the first time so Corey anderson looks great he's i think he's the certainly the best 205er in bellator he's a top four 205er in the world including the ufc Hopefully this fight gets run back again. We get some sort of conclusion to it. But I picked Vadim Nemkov heading in. When they rematch, I probably won't be picking him again because Corey Anderson just looks great. He's on another level right now. Aaron Pico just continues to cruise. Linton Vassell, what a comeback that was against Timothy Johnson. And, yeah, it was a pretty good card. Some unfortunate stuff. Some, some drama indeed. And then the UFC card, we had awful refereeing. We had... Technical decisions, multiple technical decisions, which is just insane. We had points being deducted and then guys coming back and winning fights. And then we had Bilal Muhammad defeat Vicente Luque in the main event. Good, great performance from Bilal Muhammad. Great performance. Very complete. The takedowns were there. He looked really good at, on the feet against Vicente Luque. He had, he had Luque frustrated by that third round. And I know a lot of people are out there saying Vicente didn't look like himself. And yeah, maybe there's a little bit of truth to that. I think he was a little off his game as well. But we can't take anything away from what Blah Muhammad did on Saturday because he looked great. Stand-up was good. The footwork was really, really getting to Luke A. The kicks to the body were really getting to him. And I think those are the chain, the turning points of the entire fight, more so than maybe Luke A not being himself heading into the fight. But we can't take anything away from Bilal. It was a tremendous performance. But I go on Twitter right after, right after Bruce Buffer's about to say that Bilal Muhammad's going to win. And here's the issue that I have had with Bilal for a while. And I am not alone on this. Bilal, there's, there's a difference between shooting for the stars and hoping you pull something down and just being completely unrealistic. And Bilal had, had a great opportunity, even after his last win. When he beat Wonderboy Thompson, Bilal Muhammad had a fantastic opportunity, a tremendous opportunity to call out Hamza Shamayev. It was right there, right there. Microphone is right there. Here's your chance. What does he do? Calls out Usman, which is, you know, cool. Like, shoot your shot, bro. But you know you're not getting that fight. You know it's not happening. It's not happening. You had like a 0.00001% chance of getting that fight. And then he goes on the, the media tour after, and then he calls out Shemayev in every single interview. Great. Where was that the first time? And here we are again. Shemayev's coming off the win over Gilbert Burns. The conversation of him jumping over Leon Edwards to fight Kamar Usman, off the table right now. Although some people are intrigued, are still very intrigued by that fight. I am as well. 
I would like to see Shabayev get another win, maybe two under his belt before that happens, especially after going through an absolute war with a guy like Gilbert Burns. It's right there for you, Bilal. And I went on Twitter. You can go back and timestamp it. Go and look at it. I said, all right, Bilal. Now do your wizardry on the microphone. Do it right. I'm paraphrasing here, but do not call out Kamara Usman and do not call out Colby Covington because you are not get, you have a 0% chance of getting either of those fights. Go crazy on Shamayev. Cut that Shamayev promo like you've never cut it before because if he goes out there and does that, there's a chance he gets that fight. I know the UFC wants to go the Shamayev Covington route, but Covington's a smart man. If you think about it, he says some things that probably aren't so smart, but as a businessman, as a prize fighter, he is a very smart man. Let's fight guys with big names that are winnable fights and try to make the most money we can while doing the least amount of work. Shabayev is not that guy. Now he's running, Colby's running out of those types of fighters. And I think after watching Shamayev Burns, he probably feels like, all right, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna beat this dude, I gotta fight him right now. And I still think I I, I and I've asked Colby about Shamayev before, and he said if this if the UFC wants to book that fight, if they call me and say, hey, I want you to fight Hamza Shamayev in a main event, Colby's gonna fight him. I I honestly don't think Colby's gonna shy away from it. But if that does happen, if Colby's like, nah, I don't want to fight him, Bilal had an opportunity to step right in there, and he didn't do it. He called out Colby. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Colby's not going to fight Bilal. He's not going to fight him. It's not because he's afraid. It's not because anything like that. Because Colby would be a pretty sizable favorite in that fight, in my opinion. I would pick Colby to win that fight. It just doesn't do anything for him. The, the risk-reward isn't there. Colby wants to get back to a title fight. Beating Bilal Muhammad doesn't get him any closer to a title fight. And I'm not trying to, to dump on Bilal. It's just the way that it is. Like, Bilal's... Very likable guy. He's a very good fighter, but he doesn't. He's he's not a huge draw. He's not a huge ratings grabber. He's just not. He's just not. And beating Bilal will just keep Colby where he is. Colby beats Shamayev. Sure, that that gets you back maybe to a third fight with Usman. That gives you some mojo. That gives you some leverage. That's a big deal. People will probably be clamoring for it if he goes out there and beats Hamzat. But Bilal doesn't do anything for him. Now, Bilal goes out there and beats Hamzat. There you go. Now we're getting some interest to, to you fighting for the title. But right now, it's just not there. So he's probably going to end up fighting Gilbert Burns. It's probably the best case scenario for him right now. But, man, Bilal, he's so good. Like, everything else he does so, so well. But it's these post-fight call-outs when the microphone's there and it's live and the camera's bright and the lights are shining upon you. You just pick up the biggest win of your career. It's right there. You just blast Shamayev right there. You, you, might, you have a really good chance to get that fight. You have a chance to get that one. Colby fight's not happening. Usman fight's not happening. Unless, like, listen, I'm not saying it's zero. I'll never say 0% chance because injuries can happen. Weird things can happen. We got to fill a spot. We got we to gotta get somebody in there to fight Usman, right? Maybe Bilal gets a call in, like, a week and a half's notice and comes in and fights him. But that's where we're at right now. You got two main, two big main event wins, storylines galore. Bellator had a much better weekend. I think Bellator's got much better cards this weekend as well, if we're being honest. But I don't know. There's a lot to talk about. I've been ranting for 18 minutes, and I could rant for another 20. 
Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. So let's get right into this thing. We're going to kick things off with Tristan Gordetz. I believe he was first in line here. Tristan, how are hey, you? Hey, Mike, how's everything? How's everything going? What's up, buddy? All right, listen. Good, man. Okay, that's great. It's great to hear. Um, I want to I wanna talk about – this is going to tie in together a little bit. So we saw Aaron Pico, and I was blown away watching him fight. It was such incredible display of tools that he had, arsenals. This guy's throwing body kicks, headshots. This guy's using his grappling, his wrestling, using ground and pound. But the key thing for me, and I, I think you may agree, is he was throwing the elbows. And throwing elbows are starting to, like, are not, it needs to be start talked about being more. Like, it has to be talked about more just looking at it because it's, it's just when you see fighters throwing these elbows, it's changing the trajectory of the fight, and they're looking like beasts, and they're winning these fights. And case in point, I go back and, you know, I go back to the Armin Sarukian fight against Joel Alvarez, and especially, specifically, especially when you're in someone's guard and you throw an elbow over the top, you could hit it in so many different angles where you could hit it on a person's bridge of his nose, on the top of the eyebrow, and they just start leaking, and then it's, it's downhill for that opponent from then on. Um, Tony Ferguson is famous for this. Your boy, your guy, Calvin Kerr, is making made it famous as well. And and hopefully, um, I think you probably might interview Rob Funk because this fight is next week, I think April 30th against um, Cheeto Vero. And, you know, I, I I think Funk does throw a little bit of elbows, but not as much as Cater. I think, to be honest, I think Funk needs to up and, you know, up that up with the, with the elbows. So just your thoughts about, like, this has to be talked about more of like guys need to start using these elbows because it's it's doing wonders, and I just want your thoughts about that. You know, uh, let's just speak. All right, thank you, Tristan. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's, it's a nice little mix-up strike. A lot of people are preparing for the fundamentals, the punches, the kicks. Like in normal, normally when you get the elbows, it's when somebody's on top and and your guard, and they're trying to drop elbows or. You know, you don't see a lot of standing elbows, but yeah, I mean, sometimes when, when you see these fights, when you see these performances and you see fighters coming out there and, and, and making these, these elbows effective, like John Jones was, was really good. He was times where he was using elbows as like jabs in fights. So, I mean, it's not, it's not a new thing, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's evolution cater against Chikadze. Those things were nasty. Those are nasty. It's I wouldn't compare him to like the the Connor shoulder strike, but I think once you when you saw Connor land the shoulder strikes on Cerrone, you saw fighters start to do it more. They were like, "Oh, all right, maybe this works a little bit. Maybe it's a little more. Maybe it's effective." And probably for like that entire year, we saw a lot more fighters try to 
execute those shoulder strikes. And I feel like since Cater's performance in January, I've seen, I think a lot more fighters are trying to, that those little step in elbows, I think they're seeing the effects of those. And Aaron Pico, I mean, listen, Aaron Pico, this guy is, he's got it. He's got it. And I give Aaron Pico a ton of credit for having the wherewithal and the maturity to realize like as good as he always thought he was, he needed to change some things up. He needed to humble up a little bit. He needed to learn from his losses. And he did that. And he did a tremendous job. And I give so much credit, so much credit to Brandon Gibson for the work he has done with Aaron Pico. Because those two guys are like two peas in a pod. And Brandon Gibson has done wonders for this kid's career. And the, he's, he's incredible. Aaron Pico is a great fighter. And I... I can't wait to see what he looks like like three years from now. I, I mean, I'm, I'm so intrigued. This is the guy, when he came in, this is the guy. This was the super prospect. He's not even, he's 25. He's going to be 26 in September. He's like three to five years away from his athletic prime. My God. I wanted to see the Jeremy Kennedy fight. I still think if possible, that's the fight I'd like to see. But if not, there's there's not really a lot of other places for him to go here. So he's either going to have to fight – he's either going to have to fight Mads Burnell, which, I, I mean, I sign me up for that. The chaos that would ensue with Aaron Pico versus Mads Burnell, totally down for that. Adam Borch is probably going to fight Patricio Pitbull for the featherweight title next. He's not certainly not going to fight Adrian McKee. So, yeah, I like what I'm seeing from Aaron Pico a lot. This kid is, is the real deal. It's as good as we, he's as good as advertised when he first came in. He had to humble up a little bit. I love what he's done. The maturity is incredible. Brandon Gibson deserves a lot of credit for that. Let's get four corner sports in here. What's up? Make sure you unmute. Hey, Mike. I don't know if you could hear me or not. Wanted to talk about. Yep, I got you. Wanted to talk about the Miguel Baez fight. Now, he's on a three fight losing streak. I was actually very intrigued going into the season of the fight between him and Fiala. Now, the question is, does the USC need to have to have um, Baeza maybe to take like a step back? I mean, it seems like he's a little bit, you know, what's it called? Um, I guess on the down, ever since losing to Ponzinibbio, and usually when fighters, you know, get their first L, you know, we, we try to see how they react, you know, in, into the next fight, losing to Chaos Williams, getting knocked out. And then losing to Fiala, what's the next move if you're in the Baeza camp? Thank you, sir. Yes, Miguel Baeza took on Andre Fialho. He the fight did not go well. Uh, first round TKO win for Fialo. And Fialo is just a chaotic fighter. He's always been like that. And him coming into the UFC got a lot of people excited. Some people were like, Yeah, hey, he's just the guy from the PFL, which is a horrible, which was like a horrible take. Uh UAE Warriors, I mean the the, the the dude's legit. Really fun fighter. He's fought for Bellator. He's fought for tons of promotions. So when he came in, some people were like frowning upon him. They were calling him the PFL guy. I was seeing that on Twitter. I'm like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? This guy is just an action-packed fighter. With, Bia- with Baeza, I don't know, man. It, it's weird. That fight with Ponzinibbio, I, I, if you're bored, if you haven't seen that fight, if you haven't watched that one in a while, I highly recommend you go back and watch that fight again between Santiago Ponzinibbio and Miguel Baeza because it is so good. 
and it doesn't get enough love for being honest. It's just a really competitive, fun back and forth battle, adversity, everything, everything you would look for in a 15 minute fight. This fight had it was so good. It's incredible. And sometimes when you have those wars, it takes something from you. And maybe that's what happened with Baez. I don't know. Because he looked pretty, I mean, he was looking good in the Chaos Williams fight before he was losing. I have to go back and watch that one. But if memory serves me correctly, I think Baez was, it was either 1 1 or Baez was, was up 2 0. And then Williams got the knockout. I have to remember, it was a close fight. But I remember Williams may have been in a position where he needed to finish the fight. I don't know. I have to go back and watch it. But I mean, those are, those are two tough guys to fight Ponzinibbio, then Chaos Williams. And now you'd fight Andre Fialho, another chaotic fighter. He's got to take a step back. I think the UFC will keep him around. I mean, I, I mean, look at the guy. The guy's a good fighter. He's got great skills. They, they, they knew they had something in him after the Matt Brown win, after the Sato win. They knew they had something here. Maybe he got pushed a little too soon. But again, much like Aaron Pico, sometimes you have to you take a couple of losses. You have to take a step back. Maybe take some time off. Maybe figure out what the problem is. Rework it out. Get back in. Take a step back. Now, maybe fights. I you know, they the UFC tried to book this fight before, and I hated it. I hated it when they booked it at first. I thought it didn't make a lot of sense, but it actually makes a lot of sense now. Let's do Miguel Baez versus Mickey Gall. Didn't like it when it was first booked. Thought it was way. I, I thought it was way too much for for Mickey Gall, for being honest. But it, right now, both guys kind of uh, on a little bit of the schneid. I think it makes sense. Let's do that. And I think it's kind of a loser leaves town sort of matchup. So, yeah, I would go that direction, but definitely a step back. We can't be throwing Miguel Baez in there with – we just we just got to be careful with this guy because I think they have something here. I think the UFC knows they have something here. But you got to be careful with how you book him next. But I agree. We got to give this guy a step back. All right, we got to get Toke Girding Jensen in here who said, I have an ought no idea and on to the next one idea that was going to quote, I believe it said knock my socks off. So uh, I got my socks on, bro. I'm flying. What's up? Oh, you already kind of went that way, which surprised me. But, you know, AJ McKee, he's not long for Bellator and I'm actually already sending him to the UFC. So what's happening here is he doesn't want to cut to the featherweight. That's the deal. And, you know, when UFC signs one of the biggest stars from Bellator, they like to rub it in their face. They did it with Michael Sandler with uh, him almost getting a title shot right off the bat. And uh, I think we will see some something similar here with AJ McKee, even though he lost. So what I will say is the fight to make is the winner of the Tony Ferguson-Michael Chandler fight. What do you say about that? Versus AJ McKee? Yes, sir. Wow. I Listen, hashtag would watch, Toke. I mean, would watch, but I don't know. My socks are still on, bro. Socks are still on my feet. My feet are still a little sweaty and a little toasty right now. Listen, I like the idea, but we got like other things we got to take care of first. We got to figure out AJ's contract situation. And by the way, I'm supposed I'm supposedly I'm supposed to be talking to Scott Coker tomorrow. Uh, that's the plan. That's what we're working on. And I will ask him about that. And hopefully we have we have more answers on 
the AJ McKee contract situation, what that means, if he is a free agent, if he's not a free agent. Uh, you have to think if you're Bellator, if he is a free agent or if he has one fight left of this deal, you got to do everything you can to lock this guy up because you need AJ McKee. You, you need him badly. Even after the loss to Patricio, you still have a third fight that's right there. And you could do it at 55. Doesn't, who cares about the title? Who cares? Means nothing. Go up to 55, have the third fight. And if he beats him, then you can have him fight Patricky for the title. You still got story there. You still get a couple of big fights you can book with AJ McKee, with Bellator. But if AJ is a free agent, I'm sure the UFC is going to go after him, and I'm sure AJ McKee will 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 take something will take something relatively close. I think Bellator will probably come with a more lucrative offer, but I think UFC will bring him more opportunity and the chance to make more down the line and give him some more interesting fights. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't know how how everybody feels about AJ McKee's stock. Did it drop? Do you? I mean, we're having conversations on our ranking show, the MMA Fighting Global Ranking Show, the only rankings that matter in the sport. And we're talking about this. There are people saying that I mean, we're having conversations that AJ McKee is AJ McKee the best featherweight in the world. Like, could he beat Alexander Volkanovsky? Could he beat Max Holloway? These are conversations that were being had, not just by us, but by other people too. I thought everyone was crazy with the Volkanovsky comparisons, if we're being honest, because I just think Volkanovsky is that good. The Holloway one, maybe stylistically, I, and I didn't like that. I didn't like AJ's chances in that fight either. The Volkanovsky one, I, I never really liked his chances because I just think Volkanovsky is just, just that great. He's great. Not that good. He's that great. So it'll we'll see what happens. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how the UFC is viewing this. I don't know how Bellator is viewing it, but it's going to be very interesting over the next few months to see what's going on. Let's bring uh, our man Christopher in here. Christopher, good morning. How you doing? What's up, buddy? Yeah, all well, good. Um, I kind of just wanted to come in here and say, obviously, last time we spoke, it was about Ryzen 35, and we kind of spoke about Satoshi, and, and I mentioned how, in my opinion, he's one of MMA's best-kept secrets. I don't know how much longer that will last for. Um, what I wanted to ask you is, obviously, he got on the mic after he won, and he mentioned that he wants to fight Patriki for the belt. How do you think that fight would go do you think that fight will happen? And since you're talking to Scott Coker soon, how about asking him about that fight? I will ask him about that fight. Um, will it happen? That's a great question. It should happen. I'll say yes. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be cautiously optimistic. I'm gonna say yes. That fight does happen. I think they will do the Patricky Sydney Outlaw fights that they were trying to book for like a couple a couple months ago. I think they will actually get that fight probably on the books. I would say that fight probably happens in the summer, and if that happens, then end of the year, maybe we could do the the whole New Year's Eve right around that area. Maybe we do the two night thing where we have like Bellator do an event over there, and then we have you know the the big rise in New Year's Eve car right after, and then. Just throw that on one of the one or the other. I mean, I'd watch the crap out of that. That'd be super fun. And how about Saika Zawa, by the way? Holy cow. She might be the most she might be the most natural MMA prospect we have ever seen. That nobody even really knows about. 
This, I mean, this woman is unbelievable. Running through Ayaka Hamasaki, two fights in a row, two fights in a row, finishes her in December in just her fifth professional fight. And then they get the rematch again at Rise of 35. Dominant decision win for Izawa. She's 24. She's only 6-0. and This woman is unbelievable. Unbelievable. We're talking about best-kept secrets. DeSouza is right up there. But maybe number two is Izawa. She might even be number one. She's incredible. She's a really good fighter. Ryzen's a lot of fun right now. That was a fun card. So if you're if you're looking for MMA to watch, if you were like, uh, eh, I just didn't feel, I don't feel complete after watching Bellator in the UFC. Go watch Ryzen 35. It's a lot of fun. Let's get Joey T in here. Joey T, how you doing, up? Mike? Good. How are um, you? So I saw. I noticed this about the the next upcoming UFC fight card. You notice how the odds of Dean Barry versus Mike Jackson? Like I know for. And Bellator-wise, we see that more often when they try to get, like, a prospect to go against, like, a mediocre or a bad fighter just to slowly, you know, push them up. I know this is the first time in a while the UFC's done this. Do you think they can see that more often for, like, upcoming prospects? Interesting question. Yes, Dean Barry is finally going to make his UFC debut. He's going to take on our old pal Mike The Truth Jackson. Let me see how many they've tried to book this fight. This is the third time they tried to book it. So some they tried to book it in January of last year. And then Jackson got injured and the fight didn't happen. Then they tried to book it in May. And then Barry had to withdraw. He had some visa issues and all this other stuff. And basically, like, I don't know the full story. I know. My colleague Damon Martin spoke with Dean. You'll probably see that conversation sometime this week heading into the fight, but there were some visa issues and, and a lot happened. From what I understand, Dean Barry had to spend like tens of thousands of dollars to try to get the, these visa issues taken care of so he could fight in the UFC. He ended up getting a fight with Titan FC, got a quick finish against a guy who was 6-30. and 30. So, I mean, I think we all knew it was going to happen. Now he's going to fight Mike Jackson. Listen, this is a fine fight. The UFC clearly sees something in Dean Barry because Dean said that Dean's an, an Irish fighter, from, comes from Dublin. It's a place they want to go back to. They're trying to build stars from that area, and it's it's a hotbed for MMA. It's kind of an like now that Connor is not as active, it's kind of an untapped market in terms of the UFC. Now it's a very it's a very fun area. Cage Warriors does a lot of stuff over there. Bellator's been over there a couple times. And the crowd and the, the atmosphere and the fans, they're incredible. But how the UFC's probably like, how can we get back over there? They have some fighters, sure. But how can we get back over there and, and build something? And Dean Barry's a, a fun, exciting prospect. He's going to fight Mike Jackson. Mike's going to be tough, 100%. Dean will probably win the fight. I have to see what the odds are. I have to say Barry's probably, I'm going to guess like a five to one favorite. Am I crazy? Where are we here? Oh, geez. Minus 1125. Okay. So I was way off. All right. So yeah, I think that's probably lined correctly. We haven't seen Mike fight in a while. Was the, uh, was the punk fight the last one? 
I think it was. And that was 2018. So it's been four years since Mike Jackson fought. So, yeah, I think we all know how this is going to go. But you never know. Maybe Mike has been spending the last four years working effort effortlessly. And he's become like the Aaron Pico of the UFC. Who knows? But, yeah, I don't think we're going to see that very often. But I think I think we all know why this fight's happening. Hot take Higgins. What's hey, up? Mike. Um, I had a couple questions for you. Um, the first is uh, non-MMA. As a fellow New Englander who moved south, I was always curious what uh, led you to uprooting your family and moving down here. Um, and my second question, to piggyback off what Tristan said, um, I'm so pumped for the uh, Font Vera fight. Um, I was curious who you like in that and if you think a win for either puts either of those guys in the uh, title contention. Thanks. Thank you, Hot Take Higgins. Appreciate that. Uh, so I moved, we decided to move down to South Carolina because winter sucks. And winter has sucked for a long time. And we realized that at our age, why do something that sucks when we don't have to do something that sucks anymore? So we decided we're just gonna we're just gonna leave. We're just gonna go where there's no winter and it might get a little colder, but there's no snow and there's no ice, and we could actually like go out and do things. Because during the pandemic, I don't mind snow. Take me in the snow all day. I will sled and I will go snow tubing. I'll be like an eight-year-old kid out there. I love it. But it's like two below zero every day, and then it's wind chills hitting like minus 20. F that noise. That sucks. It's awful. And then, like, on top of the pandemic and everything, my wife and I were just like, we got to get out of here. This is horrendous. What are we doing here? My parents are down in Florida just, like, sitting by the pool. They're out with their friends wearing shorts in January. I'm like, I want that. That's what I want. I don't want to live in a 65-plus community, but I want those kinds of things in my life where it's January, and if I want to go outside, I could go outside. If I want to wear shorts in January... I want to be able to do that. Maybe I could jump in the pool. And that's kind of what I did here. I want to play golf in January. And I got to do all of those things. So made the right decision. Spent the first winter down here. I will say one thing I don't like about South Carolina, and I, it's, it's a minor thing. I have horrific seasonal allergies. Really awful. Like swollen eyes, messes with the upper half of my face. It's terrible. But they have like three allergy seasons down here. You have like a two month reprieve. Other than that, I'm just a, I mean, I just have a swollen face all the time from all the allergies. There's not enough allergy medication in the world to make me feel 100%. But I will sacrifice my face for warmth any day of the week and twice on Sunday. Uh, let's get another Mike in here Mike McMichaels. Hi, Mike. Just got on mute. There you go. Are you there? Uh, sorry, Mike McMichaels. Try again. Let's get Wally in here. Wally. But I am Wally. I will. <laughs> no, I know you're looking for a Mike. Hey, so my, my question is, is the next fight for Devosh Willie Jan? And is that a terrible fight for Jan? Seeing how Aljamain kind of was able to hang on to him. Um, what are your thoughts there? Thank you, Wally. It's a great question. It's one that uh, 
we have been pondering quite a bit since UFC 273. It all depends. I think this is probably more of a of a Piotr Jan and his team's decision more than it is a Marab Duwalish Willie decision. It all depends. Now, maybe after being involved with Sterling in this whole rivalry and everything that's happened over all this time, over these last two years, maybe Jan and his team gets together and they say, we want to get as far away from this as possible right now. We need a break from Sterling. We need a break from all of it. And who is very close to Aljamain Sterling? Who is backstage with Aljamain Sterling near a near Bupkis went down? It was Marabu Willie. They're very close. They're teammates. They're friends. They are very tight. So it all depends. If Jan is just like, I hate this Aljamain Sterling, and I want to get back to him as quickly as possible, then yes, you fight Marabu Willie. That's the best way to do it. You beat the teammate. I beat your teammate, and I'm going to beat you. Sure. Because it's not a fight the UFC is going to go right back to right away. Jan's going to need another win, probably two, to get there. So I don't think it happens. I don't think that's a – I mean, there's a storyline there, but I don't think it ends up happening. Again, and I've been saying this about Marab for over two years now. He's going to have a hard time finding fights. He just is. There's nobody, just nobody in this top 15 that is going to be hankering to fight Marab Dwalish really. Nobody. No one is going to open up their email and be like, yes, I have a fight contract. Who am I fighting? Oh, Marab. I mean, I guess. I guess I'll have to fight this dude. Like, that's the, that's the reaction. No one wants to fight this guy. And I'll blame him. The risk-reward, like, we try to factor that in with these future matchups all the time. But I will give, if Jan goes out there and fights, if Jan's just like, yeah, line up Marab, my respect for that man will just go through the roof. But I don't think that's the fight that ends up happening. I'd love to see it. It'd be very, very intriguing. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Ahid, what you got? What's up, buddy? Mike, are you good? I'm good, man. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Uh, so, like, some couple points. Uh, well, firstly, I want to say off the bat, like, 
after the Bilal and Vincente fight. Leon Edwards does not deserve a title shot. He's being given one out of pity and sympathy. And like, let that sink in, okay? And this is why. Because, and it, it's so crazy, the like woke MMA community or like offend and journalists who are offended by um, Colby and what Colby says. And this, and this is why. The stat, there's a stat that's come out um, of Bilal um, and after his will over Vincente. And Bilal, it shows, uh, it's basically listing all the top welterweights in the world. And it's showing their wins over top 10 welterweights. And um, it's always it's always Colby. I mentioned this before, but I think it got drowned out by other topics. But it's always the the criticism is always on Colby. Colby hasn't fought a top ten guy. Colby hasn't done this. Colby hasn't done that. Firstly, Colby fought uh, Masvidal, six, and it's like you know they always try and put him down. When he fought Woodley, Woodley was still there. Obviously, he's gone now. And but why does even with Woodley, when he beat Woodley, why does Gilbert Burns get so much credit for it when Colby just did it a couple months later? Why does Vincente Luque get so much credit for it when they did it after Colby? It's it's so crazy to me. Then you look at you kind of stack the records up and you realize that like, people just don't like Colby and the little snowflakes that want to put him down on purpose and ignore the hypocrisy towards other people. You, you, you want to go after Colby? Like, all right, let's, let's let, break down others. Let's break down uh, Leon Edwards. And even like, obviously Gilbert Burns took the hums up fight. He lost. But prior to that, it was just like Stephen Wonderboy uh, Thompson. And even that for me, like all those like illegal shots, as far as I'm concerned, deserve a point taken off. Um, and even before that, it's like, come on, like, what, he beat Damian Meyer, like, years after Colby did it. Uh, he beat, like, a Wood, like, okay, Woodley. But, and then you look at Leon Edwards. Let's look at the record, okay? Let's go back. It was Nate Diaz, come on, like, are you serious? Like, Colby's win over Jorge means so much more. Uh, and then what, what have we got? We've got uh, Bilal. That fight never, listen, the little fanboys, the MMA, the, the, this is silly. Like, um, he won one round. It wasn't even like a 10-8, like, okay, he won, he picked him apart, he was looking good, maybe he would have gone on to win, stop the fight, but we don't know because he nearly blinded the guy. Okay, and then before that, RDA, a year, a whole year after Colby did it. Um, and like Usman did it, uh, beat RDA uh, before then too. It's silly how it's, and the hypocrisy is always on Colby, uh, amongst other topics as well, like as in, uh, I mentioned this before, but I got drowned out, like with the Masvidal attack, like people, like, oh, saying, oh, Colby deserved it. Masvidal talked about his kids, and Justin Gaethje said the exact same thing. Well, Colby never said anything about Masvidal's kids. He said about Masvidal's ability as a father was poor. Justin Gaethje said the same thing, word for word. Uh, end of 2019, 2020, when Connor attacked some guy at a pub, like Justin Gaethje said, Connor was a shit father. Um, and no one can challenge me on this because I remember what like Connor was pissed. Connor was like, I'm gonna kill you. So like I know it for sure. And it's so but it's funny, no one said anything then. People always like to go after Kobe. It's the hypocrisy. And talking about hypocrisy as well, one last point is um about Lizez uh and Daniel Kinahan. I, I wasn't gonna like obviously like last time I brought up the whole Israel Palestine thing, I wasn't gonna bring it up again because what 
why but like why mention outside things uh, outside the octagon but it's funny right like all the journalists hailing the guy asking about daniel kinahan persisting like how do you turn up to an mma press conference and that's your only line of questioning and since you're so passionate about outside the octagon issues uh you're not gonna ask Bilal, like you're not gonna really highlight um the actions of evil, evil Israeli Zionists, like invading mosques again. Again, the morning of the fight, they did the same thing. Bilal mentioned Palestine in his post-fight interview. Nada, not like nothing significant as far as I, like there's nothing I could see that was like really highlighted. But again, all these journalists, they want to pick and choose the narratives. I brought it up before and then it's come up again. I didn't want to bring it up again. I was like, it's already, I've already talked about it, but again, pick and choose and people want to hail um journal like this is journalism no it's not you picked and choose the same way you pick and choose with colby colby bit masvidal you tried to crap on that victory but we know we all know if leon did the same thing to masvidal 269 you would have like everyone would be like hail leon he'll give him his title show he did he's the best so it's again hypocrisy is ridiculous i already talked about rda hypocrisy it's just pathetic hypocrisy Ahid, bringing the, bringing the smoke as always. Yeah, man. I mean, listen. Like, what what else does Leon have to do? I mean, just give the guy a title shot. And listen, here's the thing: the whole time Shemaev was getting ready to fight Gilbert Burns, we were like, "Man, Leon's gonna get leapfrogged, isn't he?" We all thought that. But now, like, it's made him look somewhat human. And now, like this is the, this is the conversation. Now, this is what we get. Leon Leon gets the fight. Not like, not that it, I didn't truly think that Leon was gonna get leapfrogged. But I mean, if, if Shemayev went out there in 19 seconds, Gilbert Burns, and just picked him up, slammed him, and knocked him dead, the conversation would have changed, no doubt about it. That's why we that fight has not been officially announced yet. But I still felt like Leon would get the shot. It is what it is. It is what it is. Now, my my whole thing was, and I still stand by this, that what you do here, and this is if Usman is not ready to fight in July, just do Shamaya versus Leon. Just do an interim title fight. Let those two guys fight it out. Interim title, main events. Let's have some fun. And then the winner fights Kamaru in a fight that is 10 times bigger than it would have been before. If Kamaru fights Leon Edwards now, and there's listen, if they do that fight in like Africa or they do it in London, that would be great because you'd have fans who'd be like super duper into it. It'd be awesome. That's that'd be great. Do that one in Vegas, do it in New York, do it in Sacramento, wherever. It's just gonna be like, all right, cool. Usman's the pound for pound number one guy. Let's just go watch him fight a guy he already beat. So, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they have plans to, like, make this interesting. Maybe they have plans to do it somewhere else. I don't know. But this is just kind of the fight right now. But if you did the interim title idea that I've been pitching since UFC 268, if Leon Edwards beats Hamza Chemaev, you do that fight in November, MSG, it's a way bigger fight. And people would care a lot more. And if, and if Hamza goes out there and beats Leon Edwards, I mean, come on. How much bigger is that fight now? I think interim titles are stupid 95% of the time. In this case, it's not stupid. 
because we all know what it means. It's a glorified number one contender fight. We're putting a second title on there. And we're just, we're giving Usman time. We're not saying we're going to put this into a title because Usman is scared or he doesn't want to fight anybody. No, Usman's been like your most active champion over the last couple of years. Let's give this guy a break. All he wants to do is spend time with his family. He's recovering from an injury. Why rush Usman back? What's the point? When you have a fight that'd be with a guy who's a bigger star right now than Usman, you do Shemaev versus Leon, main event, interim title, bigger fight, more pay-per-view buys guaranteed because Shemaev's there. And if Shemaev wins, him versus Usman is one of the biggest fights you can make, period. And if Leon Edwards wins, it's way better than it would have been now. So it's not going to happen. Wishful thinking. I'm like, go West up in here. The king of wishful thinking. Not going to happen, but it's way better. It's a way better idea. And then the other stuff I'm not really going to dive into. I get where you're coming from. Yes. Munir Lizez. Timing was not good. And I do believe that those questions should have been asked during the post-fight press conference, 100%. But I'll leave it at that. Do we have to drill grill him under the hot lamp for 10 minutes about it? No, you didn't. But did it need to be asked? 100%. Um, and that's it. And then this has spurned up this whole other debate about journalism and what to cover and what needs to be asked and all that stuff. And, you know, we're seeing Kareem Zidane getting crushed on Twitter, and I don't know why. I mean, this guy's doing what no one else is doing. Kareem is the man. I mean, this guy, holy cow. Read up about Kareem. I and mean, this guy just gives no Fs at all. So good on him. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to get into all that. We're going to take a couple more because I got to get out of here and get a workout in. Glenn Pinch, Till Army slash Glenn Pinch. What's up? Are you there? You just got to unmute. Hello. Hey, how you going? There we go. Got him. What's up? Yeah, I think it'd be pretty silly to make an interim title for the worldweight division right now. That's what you, Why? you were talking about before, wasn't it? Why? Why would it be silly? Uh, Why is it my, my idea is better than Usman Edwards right now, isn't it? It is. It's silly. I get it. From merit, interim titles are stupid. And I'm with you. I believe interim titles are stupid too. Like the heavyweight one with the whole Nganu thing, doing Derek Lewis or Cyril Gan, stupid. Made zero sense. No sense at all. Usman's hurt. Usman needs time. He wants to spend time with his family. He's the most active champion they had. We all know the interim title means nothing. But it's just a cool fight to set up a number one contender fight. And it makes, if Leon beats Shemaev, it makes Edwards versus... Usman, way more interesting. Way more. Like, five times more interesting. And if Shemayev wins, it's the biggest fight you can make in the whole promotion right now. It's not for wrong with uh, number one contender fights, but don't make them interim titles like, at, at the moment. Anyway, how long is Usman out for? Well, I mean, he's, he had hand surgery. Yeah. Okay, so the, the plan was they're, they're going to try to make it this summer. Let's just say, like, the hit... Let's just say they announce this fight, and then we find out that Usman needs like two more months, and they have to push the fight back. They just wasted even, two months. It's not they just wasted be two months. months since his last fight before he fights again. I know, but this is yeah. not this is not a penal. We're not penalizing Usman. We're making yeah. him more money. We're making him more money with this. 
because the fight, whoever wins that interim title fight, and I'm, I'm doing air quotes right now. I'm doing air quotes because we all know what it means. It's a glorified number one contender fight where both fighters competing for this interim title that is not the actual championship. They're just going to make more money, and we're going to give Edwards what he wants, a title shot. It's just not for the actual belt. He gets his title shot. Shamayev gets his opportunity. Whoever wins that fight will go on to fight Kamara Usman in a fight that is 10 times bigger and a fight that makes Kamara Usman eight times more money. What's wrong with that? Uh, look, there's no doubt that um, Leon Edwards deserves a title shot uh, probably right now. Uh, he's uh, been very consistent over the years. Uh, he's fought, yeah, a lot of people, hasn't he? <laughs> so, yeah, there's no doubt that he's uh, well-deserving. So... Yeah, we just have to see how he how he goes. Yeah, listen, I I'm I'm with you. I think they're gonna do Usman. I think they're gonna do Usman versus Edwards. But let's. I'm just saying, if for some reason Usman needs more time, let's just say Usman can't fight till October, November. Let's just have some fun. Let's just have oh, some for fun. sure. There's fights to be made in that division. Like it's such a uh, active division. Yeah, and so um so loaded. But the welterweight division always has been, hasn't it? Like, it's been, always been a, a, an awesome, awesome division in the UFC. Yeah, since way back when St. Pierre was uh, champion, um, even when St. Pierre was um, moving through the ranks himself. Yeah, it's just been uh, a loaded division for a long, long time. Yeah, it's a marquee division for sure. Um, yeah. yeah, we'll see what happens. It's going to be an interesting year for this division. We'll see where... Where Bilal ends up, we'll see where, where Colby ends up. I'm going to take two more. Let's see if Mike McMichaels can get back in here. We tried before. Can we make it happen? Mike McMichaels, are hey, you there? Hey, hey, hey. Hello, hello, hello. Yes. Hey, What's hey, up? Um, I just want to say that I uh, I agree with uh, Kamzat Leon uh, fighting for an interim belt. I think it's an excellent idea because, you know, it's clear the UFC has, you know, their new star. And uh, what better way to make him a, a bigger star by uh, giving him a shiny belt? Uh, that's if he beats Leon Edwards. Uh, and brings me on to the point where I just want to say I really disagree with Ahid when he said um, Leon Edwards doesn't deserve a title shot because um, this guy has been presented with so many opportunities, uh, just like Makachev. And, um, you know, he was offered to fight Woodley. He accepted. The, the event was on and then COVID happened. He accepted to fight Kamza, you know accepted and then you know nothing happened again i think because of covid as well and it's just like you know put some respect put some respect on the leon's <laughs> name man come on <laughs> fucking you made Bilal cry he made Bilal cry in the fight you know you fucking punched him in the face and like Bilal was crying for some reason for like a long time so yeah give him the title shot and if he doesn't get the title shot give him an interim belt and uh yeah, that's all I had to say. Damn, bringing the heat. Love it. Um, listen, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Leon deserves a title fight. I, I get it. I get it. I mean, I get where other people are coming from. The problem is, and if you listen to BTL over the last couple of years, Jed Bashu has talked about this a million times, and I'm not going to go as far as to I – don't, I don't necessarily – agree completely with what Jed's saying, but in the Jed Mishu way of explaining things, his whole thing is, it's not that Leon is a bad fighter, it's that nobody cares. It's just that he just, he's just there. 
in a lot of people's eyes. And they and the UFC has given them opportunity. And a lot of people are like, well, the UFC needs to do a better job of promoting that. They just put him in a fight with Nate Diaz. They gave him a showcase fight with Nate Diaz. And he was winning, but he wasn't blowing the doors off Nate. This wasn't going to be a performance we were going to be talking about for 10 years. And then Nate almost beats him. Nate hurts him, almost finishes him at the end of the fight. And what are we talking about? We're talking about Nate Diaz. We're talking about the last two minutes of that fight. Not the 23 minutes that Leon Edwards dominated. But it just, the UFC has given him chances. They've given him opportunities to shine. And get him over. They're trying to get him over. And he hasn't been able to answer the call. He's winning, but he's not getting over. He's not... He's not a fighter that people are going to be like, holy crap, I get to spend 75 bucks to watch Leon Edwards fight. I, and Leon's a really good fighter. He's a good fighter. But is he a guy that the OCC can be like, you know what? We got us. I mean, we got two pay-per-views in July. Let's just say, let's just say that's the international fight week main event. And I, I have no insight to this whatsoever. Let's just say Usman versus Edwards is the main event for the international fight week card. Okay, it's a good fight. And most of us in the space, I know I, I'll be watching because you got to remember July 30th, there's another event. There's another card. Let's just say they do, I'm trying to pull this out here. Let's say International Fight Week, they do Usman Edwards in the main event spot. Again, no insight. It's not, I know nothing about this. Co-main event, let's say they do Pena versus Nunez too. Okay, there's that card. July 30th, they do Adesanya, Cannoneer, and they do Volkanovsky, Holloway. Which one are you buying? You're buying the second one. It's not even a discussion. It's not a discussion. I mean, it depends on what they load the rest of the cards with, but if we're going fight for fight, we're going... Okay, I'm trying to remember. Okay. Usman Edwards, Pena Nunez on one side. And on the other side, you have Adesanya, Cannoneer, and then you could do Volkanovski Holloway too. I mean, it's not even close. It's not even close. That's the thing. But again, and that's why I, I've been pitching this interim idea since UFC 268. Usman said, I need time off. I need something that excites me. I want big money fights. He's calling out freaking Canelo, which is just the stupidest thing in the world. Like, there's Reacher for the Stars. There's Bilal Muhammad calling for Colby Covington, silly. And then there's Usman calling for Canelo, silly. And <laughs> freaking Bilal looks like a looks like a genius right now for for comparing the two. But that's the thing. I mean, it's just the thing. It's not no one. No, I don't think anyone's underestimating Leon Edwards the fighter. I think they're just saying, just. People aren't all that interested in him. I mean, that's just, it just is what it is. Now you go out there and you beat Shavayev. Guess what? People are interested. Mike Lawson, final word, my man. What you got? Mike, heck of a morning, bro. I agree with your interim decision. That's actually a pretty good uh, take with Shavayev and Edwards. Uh, Terrible, terrible, terrible take, though. On how you think uh, Bilal, remember the decision Muhammad is calling out Covington a bad decision. I think that's actually a good 
uh, play. Both uh, wrestling styles is that'd be a nice matchup to kind of see who takes a little bit more of a dominance. Uh, Colby's kind of been quiet uh, every time uh, Chimaev has ever been brought up. And um, losing you. Can you hear me? Hello? Yep, I got you now. What's up? All right, sorry, driving in the car. Um, what was the last thing you heard? Uh, you you said something about wrestling and the wrestling, and then you said he. The last thing I heard you say was he's been pretty quiet when talking about Shemaev, and then I lost you. Yeah, so he's been quiet about every time Shemaev has been brought up, and meanwhile, uh, Bilal needs somebody to. I'd say he's two away from a title shot at this point and what better to take the number one spot than you know fighting Colby uh Chimaev is not I don't think uh a better call out just because Chimaev is probably the hottest thing since Connor and Bilal to be quite honest is Bilal uh so yeah I'd love to hear your take on that Absolutely, and I can't wait to get my take on this. Okay, here's the thing. Do I think overall it's a bad call-out? No. Okay? You take a shot. The problem is, Colby, he's not going to fight. Colby is not going to fight Bilal Muhammad. He's just not. There's just nothing enticing about fighting Bilal Muhammad to Colby Covington. I can tell you that right now. Nobody has interviewed and talked to Colby Covington more over the last seven years than I have. And I will tell you this. Without even asking him, I know the answer to this question. Bilal Muhammad will not interest him one iota. Why? Because he is a prize fighter, and there's no prize to fighting Bilal Muhammad. There's no, there's literally nothing. He beats Bilal Muhammad. What does that get him? It gets him a win. And I don't even know if his contract structure where he gets a win show. So literally, he just gets a win on his resume. It does nothing for him. Nothing. He's fighting a guy backwards with with some buzz, not a lot. And here's my thing with Bilal, okay? When he called out Usman after his last fight, that's fine. Cool. But keep that same energy throughout. Because he went on the media tour and did a million interviews. And what did he call for every single interview he did? Not Usman. He called for Hamzat. Every single interview. But when the moment counted, he didn't call for that fight. But in the media interviews after, that's when he called for it. So he gets a second opportunity to do it again. Here's your chance, bro. Shabayev, everyone's talking about has Shabayev's stock dropped? Has Shabayev's stock gone down since the Gilbert Burns fight? And here you are. You're fighting Vicente Luque, a guy who knocked you out. Biggest win of your career. And I knew it. I'm like, don't call out Usman and don't call out Colby because you're not going to get those fights. Go for Shamayev. Go after it. Everything you got. Spend the next 90 seconds. Cut that promo. And what does he do? He calls out Colby. Come on, man. Like, I get it. But I guarantee you. I gar- And I've not listened to this yet. I guarantee you. Guarantee it. My colleague, Damon Martin. Interviewed Bilal Muhammad yesterday. I will guarantee you he calls out Hamzat Shemaev in that interview. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. Why not just do it there? You have 
That fight is there. There's a chance. And you know what? There is a chance if he had called after the Wonderboy win, if he had called out Hamzat after the Wonderboy win, it probably wouldn't have been Gilbert Burns fighting Hamzat. It probably would have been Bilal fighting Hamzat. He just missed his shot. He was too late. He was too late. And he's doing the same thing here. Because Colby's not going to fight him. Colby is not going to take that fight. Because it does nothing for him. Colby, I think Colby will fight Hamzat. If they offer that to Colby, I think he'll fight him. Main event, if they do exactly what Dana says. Main event on ABC, five rounds. I think Colby would take it. I'm trying to find the exact quote that Colby gave me about Shemaev back in November. And then I talked to him again after the win over Mazdal. The feeling hasn't changed. If this is what the UFC wants, if they want to put together and turn this into a big fight, then I will do it. But he knows the Bilal fight is not that fight. It's just not. Bilal is a great guy, a good fighter, great social media follow. Just a good dude. He's a good dude. But he's not like a draw. He's not going to make Colby any extra money. Colby would rather fight Mazadal again. There's way more story there. That fight makes way more money. Hamzat makes him way more money. And it does something for him. If he fights Hamzat and wins, he's probably getting a title shot. He'll probably get that third fight with Usman. Fighting Bilal doesn't get him any closer to a title fight. It just gives him a win. You fight Bilal if you're just like, you know what, I'm, I want to fight. I just want to fight. I'm sick of sitting around. I get some frustrations here. I just want to fight. Oh, Bilal's available? Sure, I'll fight him. But if this is about business, then look, there's talks about him fighting out of Sanya right now. Not like within the company. Like, this has been brought up, and this is a thing. Like, Colby Ralph go up to 185 and fight somebody up there than fight Bilal Muhammad. It's just, it just is what it is. Sorry. All right, I'll give HK one more shot. I keep, wow, we've been going over an hour here. HK, final word. What's up? Are you there? Hello? Hello. Yes, yes, yes. So my my thoughts on this are basically uh, on Bilal. As you said, he messed up his chance to go with Hamzat. Though I do think Hamzat steamrolls him. His intensity is too much for Bilal. Uh, then we go to Colby. I think Colby is a bit of a coward, to be honest. He just wants to go for the for the title shot and won't risk that uh, against anyone. And so I'm not really sure what he's gonna do. And uh, that's that's all I gotta say. I appreciate that. Okay, so this whole thing about being cowards, I it's I just don't buy it. Listen, these guys get in cages and fight other people. No one's scared to fight anybody. They're just not. But when you get to a point in your career where you're just like, I'm not just going to do things just to do them. I'm going to do them to like, make money. I'm going to do them to secure my future or at least take a step towards doing that. So Colby fighting like Vicente Luque or fighting somebody like that, like makes or fighting Bilal makes no sense. Like Bilal's on a nice streak right now, but like 
fighting Bilal Muhammad does like it, I'm sorry, it just does nothing for him. It does nothing for him. Colby is a prize fighter. He's going to look for the chance to make the most amount of money and do the least amount of work. That is what a prize fighter does. You go out there and you make the easiest money you can. He knew that be like he knew he was gonna beat Mazadal. Like he knew it. He knew he was gonna win that fight. That fight was built up. He knew he was gonna beat Tyron Woodley. Talked about it for years. He knew he knew as soon as he got in the cage with Woodley, he would win. Now he messed that up originally. He talked himself out of a title fight, which would have been a way bigger fight at the time, but he still got the Woodley fight, and people cared, and he ran through him and he made a bunch of money. Then he gets the Mazadal fight. Everybody knew how that fight was going to go. And he went out there and won and made a lot of money. And they talked about the pay points, whatever. He still made a lot of money. The law doesn't make him a lot of money. He'll get his paycheck and stuff, but like, again, for the future, it's either big money fights or get me closer to a title shot. Bilal doesn't either. Hamza definitely does. That's why I think he ultimately would take that. But he's not just going to fight him like a three-round fight on a co-main event on a pay-per-view. This is a main event fight. If they're going to do it on ABC, if they present Colby with this fight, they say, hey, you, Shemaev, ABC. And John Anik better be wearing that gold jacket. I think Colby takes it. I honestly, I think he takes it. I think he takes that fight. The only other fight I think he would take over that is if they offered him the Mazdal fight. Because I think there's big money in that, even with everything going on right now. And he knows that he's just going to beat him. He's probably going to beat Mazdal again. Whatever happened in that first fight is probably going to happen again. And people would care because of everything happening behind the scenes. Do I think that fight ever happens? I don't know. Would the UFC try to make that fight? Absolutely they would. 1,000% they would try to make that fight. And they would use this whole thing that has happened on the mean streets of Miami Beach to their advantage in promoting the fight. But, yeah, if it's between Hamzat and Bilal, Colby's taking Hamzat a thousand times because it makes sense. It's a bigger money fight, and it gets him closer to a title fight. Well, Bilal does neither of those things for him. But, all right, this is fun. This is fun. You know what? I'm going to take one more, and then I got to get out of here. Alvin. Are you there, Alvin? Come here, man. What's up? What's up? Yeah, I got right, What do you got? I That's like comes out, man. I think, I don't know. I think Kobe's not scared, but I just, I don't think he wants it. Why? His wrestling, that's what he, he's used to, his wrestling. He always goes to his wrestling and Hamzat can wrestle. I just think his wrestling's better. Maybe. Yeah, that's why, see, it makes it interesting, right? I want to see it. I want to see that fight. I want to see what happens. Now, here's the thing. Hamzat is a monster. And there is a possibility that he just goes out there and just runs Covington over. But Covington is very durable. But let's just say if, if Hamza just runs through Covington and knocks him out in the first round, would it, would it be the most shocking thing in the world? No. It wouldn't. And this is maybe just the hype that we built upon ourselves. But I think Hamza's going to learn a lot from this Gilbert Burns fight. But at the same token, if we get that kind of fight again, 
and this fight gets extended into the fourth, fifth rounds, that's Colby's world. That's where he shines. That's where I think this fight gets really interesting. If Colby can win one round, if Colby can win one round between one, two, and three, one round, he's got a very good chance to win. That's an it. That's a big if. Because you're going in there with a huge man that's going to try to knock your head off. But Colby just needs to win one of those first three rounds, and he has a very good chance to win. Because we saw Hamzat gets, get tired down the stretch. He cuts a lot of weight. And Colby doesn't get tired ever. He just gets, he just keeps going. He's a freak when it comes to that. I just think it's a compelling fight. It's a really compelling fight. Hamza is the much more powerful guy, but Colby's got the gas tank and the wrestling and just that grind. Really fascinated. If the UFC could pull that off on ABC. Sorry, I just sat down on the bed. That's huge. That's a huge, fascinating fight. And the winner gets a title shot. I don't care that Usman beat Colby twice. If Colby beats Hamza Chemaev on ABC in a main event, he gets his third fight. Or he fights Leon. He gets it. 100%. And if Hamza beats Colby, boom. He gets his title fight. We get a massive fight. So we'll see what happens. I like all of this. I mean, that, that, that is the fight to make if they can get it done. But it's not Bilal versus Colby. I can tell you that right now. But that's it, everybody. We went a little over time today. I was like, I'm going to go for like 45 minutes. We went for an hour and 15 minutes. Hour and 17 minutes, actually. But the good news is we'll be back on Thursday. And we'll do it again. And then we'll be back on Friday. And we'll do it again. And that Friday show is just going to be nothing but your calls. But I have a feeling that tomorrow might, or Thursday, excuse me, might be the same way. So I appreciate everybody who has jumped on, who has requested, who has asked questions, who has been here since the beginning. I appreciate you all very much. Hope you have a heck of a rest of the day. And we'll see you guys on Thursday. It's going to be a busy one. We'll have this show, the return of BTL on video. Uh, and I got a couple of fun interviews coming up this week, so stay tuned for that. I'll be talking to Mr. Drakkar Close later on today. So uh, I don't know if we're going to put that on the pod. I don't know how we're going to handle that, but we're going to do something with that. I can tell you that right now. So enjoy the rest of your day, everybody. Thank you for listening. Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.